For our second message this afternoon, Mr. Steve Andrews with a much shorter title, Blessed. Steve. For those who um, aren't really interested, but I thought I'd do it anyway, I did forget <clears throat> last week to give the name of the book, of the author of the book that I quoted out of, which is The Theocratic Kingdom. His name is George N.H. Peters, and the book, um, several th about a thousand pages worth, and it's actually three volumes, was published in 1884. Sorry about that. Sometimes we get up here and we... Uh, our mind is going somewhere else besides where we're supposed to be going. And, and I hope <clears throat> today the message will uh, fit in with the, the world that we live today. Jesus made this comment in Matthew 20, uh, 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it does seem like today that the only abundance that m many people have is uh, four-letter words. Um, they seem to, to pepper their speech, their English language speech with uh, those words, which I think and has always bothered me because it somewhat degrades the, the language and the thought and the idea. Words are truly important. You know, the old, uh, that old adage, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words cannot hurt me, that is a lie. I don't know why kids ever brought that one up, but that is a lie because words have meaning, they have depth, and they can't hurt. In James, the third chapter, James answers these, this, this very thing. And, and this is just an introduction to, to this message on lest. And you'll see how this four-letter word has a great deal of meaning. In James, the third chapter, James makes this, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able to bridle the whole body. Now, when the ministry reads these words, they, they're, they're warned. that What we see, say up here, what we bring to the congregation is very important that we can receive that condemnation because of the words that we speak. Behold, we put bits in the mouth, in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us. We turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, uh, though they be great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, wherever the governor lists. That's interesting today the big tankers that are in the ocean, even though it takes them a very long time to turn, it's still a very small um, area that turns those tankers in comparison to the size of the ship. Even so, the tongue is a little member. <laughs> even, and James is right on them, right on. Uh, these, these words are so wonderful. James, <clears throat> being inspired to write about the tongue, is a little member, boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. How it can spread, and especially in today's society, with Facebook, all things, Twitter, Tweedly Dee and Tweedly Dumb, <laughs> and whatever else there might be out there. I'm not sure what's going on. 
I haven't been, I'm like some of you, that's, that's not my area of desire to get involved in those, but I can understand where those words are just spread all over the place and the people get involved in them. The tongue, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the curse of nature, and, it's set on, um, and it is set on fire of hell. Um, for every kind of beast and, and birds, serpents, and things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And we have dolphins that are tamed to do things. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And that's so true. You can see how it can hurt people or deceive people. Lies deceive people and hurt people. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God and even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings, my brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and a do with knowledge among you? Let him show out of, out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. And it's important that we control our speech, control that tongue, and use it for good. That's what it's there for, to bless, you know, and, and, to, and to make people feel good. He says... But if you have bitter envy, strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where the envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, and gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. He says, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And using the tongue to make peace and to, um, you know, to bring brethren together and, and, and to do what's right is, is, a, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's interesting. Um, in today's society, who's the most, most trusted people? <laughs> I, I had it, I was listening and that was kind of interesting. He says, well... You know, Tom Hanks is up there at the first, and there's a couple of three other, and all the way down, there's a whole bunch of actors, and what do they do? They, they lie. <laughs> that's, that's what all of entertainment is. It's interesting, it's entertainment, but they go in there, and they, they put on a false front, and they lie during that whole thing. It's interesting that the most trusted, number one person in the society today it's Tom Hanks. <laughs> now, talking about four-letter words, you know, I work with a bunch of, um, I work with a, uh, a bunch of rig crew. Uh, I don't think they ever learned how to talk. 
frankly. They only, there's only four-letter words they really understand. But you know, four-letter words are important. And there's one that um, I hope um, uh, Brian can put up for me. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> we all recognize this symbol, don't we? S-T-O-P. Um, it's not so prevalent today as it was when uh, Ian Lawrence and some of the older ones were around and you didn't have all the stop signs except for maybe downtown. Um, any other streets were all stop signs and four-way stops and all that. Now today they're, they're mostly lights, but that's an important sign. We don't go through that, do we? If it says stop, we try not to do the Texas <coughs> uh, uh, rolling stop because that will get you a ticket if you're not careful. Um, and it's important that four-letter words do make a difference. And especially in the Bible, there is one very important one. And we'll come to that. Let's go to Mark, the 14th chapter. Let's take one example first before we get into, into the definition. And what's kind of interesting is I, I actually picked the Merriam-Webster dictionary as a definition. So Mark, the 14th chapter, if I can find Mark again. Sometimes I lose all these, these books here. Mark, the 14th chapter. Here it is. Beginning in verse 33. And he took Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and very heavy. This was at the time just before Jesus was um, betrayed and taken into custody. And he was very heavy, very heavy with sorrow about what, was, what he knew was coming. And said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful to death. Tarry you here and watch. And he went forth and a little, and he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass for him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he comes and finds them sleeping and says to Peter, Simon, sleep you? Could you not watch one hour? Could you not watch just one hour? Watch you and pray. Watch you and pray because now there is a concern lest you enter into temptation. Jesus had already told Peter that he was going to deny him three times before the cock crew, which he did. But I don't know that he knew exactly, and this is just my thought and my speculation about it, what Peter would do afterwards. He said to him, Watch you and pray. An important part, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is true, uh, truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And under the circumstances that they took Jesus under, and the things that went on uh, during his trial, during his crucifixion, and all of that, I'm sure that that was a very traumatic thing. And weighed heavily on, on the disciples, his disciples. In the, um, the word that I'm focusing on is lest, L-E-S-T. Very small word, but a four-letter word. And it's a very important word. In these New Testament scriptures that I'm going to bring out to you, you will see 
how that they're contrasted with an important part of this information and then a slight warning, lest you do this, lest you, the situation comes. Now, I can't read that very well back there. <laughs> and I was hoping that I could, but I can't. So I'm going to turn around. This is a Merriam-Webster definition of L-E-S-T. And if you punch the little button up there, you'll hear the word last come up. But, you know, we all know how that's spelled, or how that sounds. Um, this first, first one, for fear that used to say that you do not want something to happen. You do not want something to happen. We're going to see that in these um, scriptures that we go through. Uh, for instance, he was uh, concerned lest anyone think that he was guilty, which equals uh, chiefly Brett. He was concerned lest um, anyone should think he was guilty. So he was concerned that people would think he was guilty, and he did not want anyone to think he was guilty. So that's one idea. The second one used when you are saying something in order to prevent something from happening. In order from... This is what we don't want to happen. I've given you this, but I don't want this to happen. Because it might. It might. And we'll see that in the scriptures. Unless you think I'm joking, let me assure you that everything I've said is true. She's a talented singer, unless we forget, a fine musician as well. So two definitions, or two, um, um, well, definitions of the word last. Um, that they kind of expound on uh, the, the two areas, and they, they fit fairly well with the scriptures that I'm going to be reading today. They'll all be out of the, the New Testament, so you can stay in the New Testament. So let's go to Mark, the 13th chapter, because you're probably still <clears throat> right there, very close by. And let's see, beginning in verse uh, 28. He says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. Now these are the, this is the, uh, the, the prophecy that Jesus gave um, at the Mount of Olives. Uh, to his disciples. And I'm just breaking in here at the bottom. I, I don't want to read the whole prophecy, but I want you to, to, to gather from, the, from where I break in and the thought process that Jesus is bringing to his disciples. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When a branch is yet tender, puts forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh or near. So you, in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know you that it's near, even at the door. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things shall be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father, only the Father. Take you heed and watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is, a, is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porters to watch. He commanded them to watch. We're commanded to watch, brethren. He said, watch you therefore, for you know not what, uh, when the master of the house comes, at evening or midnight or in the cock crowing of the morning, lest, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Interesting how he found Peter on that night, sleeping, lest he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all of you, watch. Keep awake. Don't go to sleep. 
don't be mesmerized by the, the, the great things and wonderful things in the society supposedly that we have today. Watch the world events and things that are happening in the world. Keep your eyes open. Don't go to sleep because they're going to lull you to, you know, Satan would love to lull us to sleep, wouldn't he? He'd like for us to forget all about God's word. He'd like for us to forget all about what he is conniving and trying to pull off into this world. So let's heed Jesus' warning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. There's also a, a thought in that. I know that um, we don't know our own hour, our own time. And so we, we need to be about whatever God has directed us so that we're not found sleeping, so that we're worthy of the kingdom of God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter now, as we continue this, this thought about the word L-E-S-T, the four-letter word, and it's interesting. It's almost like a word to stop, to think. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 7. He says, Neither be you idolaters, as were some of them, as is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them for examples. And they are written for our admonition. We've read these scriptures many, many times and gone over them. How important those examples in the Old Testament are for us, even today. Therefore, our admonition upon whom the ends of this world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed. Therefore, wherefore, let him that thinks he stands. In other words, hey... I'm doing really, really good. I've got everything. I don't need anything. And I especially don't need God's Word anymore. You know, I'm, I'm satisfied in my life. And it says in the book, he says, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, take heed lest he fall. It is not written in the book for... Um, uh, it's written in the book for us to, to, to stop, to think, to meditate on. How far have I gone in my own life? By what have I done in my own life? Have I taken heed to the words of, of Christ, to the words of Paul? Do I realize that maybe my time is short? All of us need to think about these. And, it, and he, then he gives some encouragement. I, I, I love the Bible because sometimes we, you know, we might stop right there. But he says, there has no temptation taken you. In other words, the trials and temptations that come on us. But such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Sometimes trials and tribulations come upon us, and we just struggle through those trials. And maybe it's a physical thing, maybe it's mental, emotional, it, and we struggle through those. But God says he's with us, and he takes care of us. He's faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. 
Wherefore, my dear and beloved, flee from idolatry. We have a lot of idolatrous things going on in the society today. It is full of idolatry. Now, just the fact that the number one person <laughs> that people trust is an actor, uh, you know, an idol. We call them idols, don't we? We're pretty blatant in this society. We <clears throat> in Galatians the sixth chapter, another one. Brethren, verse one. Galatians 6, verse 1. If a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. Considering yourself. Here's a warning, brother. Here's a warning that, that is in the Bible for us to take heed of. And, it, and the word lest is in there. And it's for us to think. It's for us to stop and think about this. Lest you also be tempted. There might be a situation in which you might not want to get involved with somebody. You might not want to be involved. How about a man trying to help a woman through certain things and a divorce and he's married? You wouldn't want to be involved in that. She's got problems. She's got faults. She's having trouble. But you're putting yourself in a terrible situation. The same thing with a woman helping a man. And there's a lot of situations that you can, you can bring about in which you could be tempted and put yourself into such a situation that you would not be able to get out of it. He says, bear you one another's burdens and, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And it's, and it's good. When we talk one another, we, we have trials and tribulations and we talk about it. We, we share them with one another. For if a man think of himself uh, to be something when he is nothing, he, de he deceives himself. <laughs> Paul was pretty, pretty plain. Isn't he? But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. And that's an interesting thought. Let him that is taught in the word communicate to him that teaches in good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for what... Soever a man sows, that shall also he reap. This is a, you know, this is a biblical principle. Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. For if he sows to the flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And you can see where, you know, uh, prostitution... Uh, those things, you could get yourself into to, uh, you know, physical trouble very, very quickly and be, uh, have, have some problems. Now, Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians 2, and verse 2. He says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our our uh, conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loves us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you were saved, and has raised us up together, and made us to sit 
together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So tremendously powerful, inspirational words from Paul. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. Not of works. Lest any man, lest any man should boast. Hey, we're not going to have anything that we can boast about. It says here, for we are his workmanship. If there's anything that's being accomplished, it's being accomplished because God is working in us. His Spirit is working in us. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. This is the key to that one verse there. Lest any man should boast, because we won't have anything before we go, when we go to, to God to boast about, but we can say that we did through Jesus Christ. Those things that he showed us that we should walk in them. In, and I, um, let's see. I did have a, a verse here. Uh, let's, let's turn to Psalms 100. It fits very well with this one. Psalm 100. Psalm 100 and... Just one verse, Psalm 100 and verse, uh, if I can get to it, verse 3. Know you, come on, now we should know this. Know you that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us. Not evolution, we didn't, we're not the product of, of, of Ponscom. He that has made us, and we are, and, and not we ourselves, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. It's interesting that it says, and not we ourselves. It's almost like God knew that there would be this evolutionary thing and that they would think that we created ourselves. We created the idea of evolution. We created the idea of coming from, you know, uh, the Ponscom. But we are the creation that God has put on this earth. Colossians, the second chapter, as we go through these. Colossians, the second chapter, and beginning in verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Encouraging words, brethren. Beware, though. Beware. Come on. Encouraging words. And then beware, lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. It is interesting, and we have a personal understanding of this, how that psychiatry and psychology, the psychiatry wants to uh, poke pills down you to change your mind, and psychology wants to, to separate you from your religion and from your parents because both of them are, are based on um, paganism. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of paganism involved in it. They come from the Greeks and all of the things that they do. And it's interesting that in the, in the Bible, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through, the philosophy and vain, through philosophy and vain deceit. 
you know, trying to, to get you away from this religion. <laughs> you know, Christians, we're not going to put up with them anymore. They're going to, now they're, they're right in there with uh, Hamas. We're a bunch of, of um, you know, we're bad people. We teach the Word of God. We teach love. We, con we teach concern for one another. So we become bad people. We teach that there is a marriage between a man and a woman, not between two women and two men. That that's sacred to God. The marriage between a man and a woman and the, and the motherhood is a sacred thing. For all you mothers out there, you're very blessed. Because God says that is his heritage whenever you have a child. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? We, we think, oh, well, these are our kids. And, and in reality, what God is doing is building his family. He's reproducing himself. And looking forward to the day in the kingdom of God when all of those children are resurrected and are running around in his kingdom. As he is the great father. After the, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcised made without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein you are also risen with him. Through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Of course, he's blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances, which was the death penalty against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his stake, his styros. Hebrews, there's several verses in Hebrews. That's very interesting. In Hebrews, the uh, second chapter, beginning of verse 1. And I see if I can get over there. Get the right chapter. He said, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, we ought to give the more earnest heed to things which we heard. Stop. Think about that. He says, lest at any time we should let them slip. Isn't that interesting, that four-letter word, L-E-S-T? It has a connotation of, let's stop, let's think about that, let's meditate on this a little bit. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time that we should let them slip. How easy it is it to let things slip? Huh, really easy. You get involved in the day-to-day -day things and they just slip away and your life slips away. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of war reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I mean, we're so familiar with all these scriptures in their powerful scriptures which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him. 
God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with different miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. According to his own will. For to the angels he's not put in subjection the world to come wherever we speak. But one in a certain place testifies saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? And it goes on. And those are very uh, powerful scriptures. I'll let you read the rest of that. I was actually going to stop at four, but the, you know the word is, is, is so wonderful. You could just keep right on reading, especially in the book of Hebrews. Uh, there's so much in the book of Hebrews. It's it just like you could start in the beginning and you could think about all the things that, that the author is teaching us about God's word. In verse 12 of chapter 3, it says, Take heed, brethren, take heed. Come on, listen up. Give me your ears. What was that Roman thing? Lend me your ears. <clears throat> Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in, the de in departing from the living God. Many have given up this way of life, given up the Sabbath, given up things that are in this book that they are supposed to be living, and they've given it up. He says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, and then he, he puts another lest in there. Lest any of you being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The, um, the world is getting so sophisticated in its um, being able to broadcast things that uh, the, the sophistication of sin is out there uh, everywhere. Magazines. Uh, the news broadcast, whatever. It's, it's hard to get away from it. I don't know how hard it affects you, but I've had a hard time even seeing anything about that abortion doctor. I can't even read the first two or three sentences. I just get sick. What's happened to our nation? Where have we gone wrong? What have we done to this nation? We don't want to fall into this nation's thinking. We don't let that into our door. It says there is a deceitfulness of sin. It seems like it might be a good thing. And it turns out to be the most horrid thing. I, I, it's hard for me to talk about it. The, the things that are going on out there today. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, just one verse. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. That's important that our heart stays um, good. You know, that it stays pliable, that God can talk to us. And I think that I have um, put down the wrong... Um, yeah, I think I did put down the wrong one. Let's see if I got the right. Oh, I just haven't read far enough. <laughs> I got just one verse here, but I have to go all the way to, to another verse. Okay. <clears throat> For if Jesus had given, and that's Joshua, had given them rest, then would he have not have afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. You know, the, the Sabbath is, the Sabbath is God's example every seven days. Of that day, when in the kingdom of God, 
there will be rest for the whole world when he brings the kingdom to this earth. For he that has entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. He says, and, and we pause here. Let us labor, man. Let's, let's put forth the effort, lest any man fall away from the example of unbelief. After the same example of unbelief, just like the Israelites. Not believing that God is going to bring his kingdom to this earth. Not believing the promises of God in your life. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let the word of God deal into your heart, take care of you, guide you, lead you. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. So we look at these signposts. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded, brethren. There have gone by Moses, Abraham. Jesus has sat at the right hand of the Father. But no telling how many have lived and died and believed this word. Let us lay aside every weight, the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who with joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Those two verses before and that few words there led up to this admonition, led up to this admonition, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's there for us. He's there for us. For consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Always look to Christ. He made it through those, those, that trial. He, he prayed to God. He, he wanted to get out of it, but he knew the will of God was for him to die so that he could be at the right hand of the Father. He said, you have not yet resisted to blood, striving against sin. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone in this room that has done that. Jesus Christ is the only one that has done that and is at the right hand of the Father but looks forward to the day when we'll be there at His side in the kingdom of God. Once again in James, the fifth chapter. I think it's one verse this time, but I'm not sure. Yes, one verse. And this is one of the things that was a little hard for me to understand early on, but it's, I think it's very important for us to understand. James says, but above all things, my brethren, swear not. Because you cannot make yourself, you can't change anything. Swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by, <clears throat> by other oath. But let your yeas be yeas, and your noes be noes, lest you fall into judgment. If you start swearing that, you have, that this is true, 
and it's not true, or you start saying things that are not true, you come into condemnation, you come into judgment. God writes all those things down, too, doesn't he? He has a book of life. You come into condemnation. All right. Last scripture here. A beautiful set of scriptures these are. Second Peter, beginning in chapter 3. And verse 5. Mm, let's see. Oh, I thought that looked kind of weird. <laughs> I was in First Peter. And that one didn't work out very well. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth stands out of the water and in the water. So at one time, um, you know, God had to bring that water onto the, to the earth and wipe out that generation. Whereby the world that was then was being overflowed, the water perished. Everything. All perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved to fire against the day of a judgment and perdition of God, ungodly men. So he'll purge the earth with fire. At one time, he, he purged the earth with water. And he said, I'm not going to do that again. And he gave us the rainbow. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that the day, that one day is, is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. You know, sometimes we would like to see things hurry up, speed up, or slow down, uh, depending you know, on what your life is like. Uh, and it doesn't happen that way. God is eternal. And a day with Him, you know, a thousand years could go by. The Lord is not slack, though, it says, concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I think that's a tremendously important scripture that we should understand. That no matter what we see going on in the, the world, it is because God has a purpose and a plan. And He's still working that purpose and plan out today. And there still comes people that are coming to this way of life and understanding the truth. And until this world becomes so corrupt and so bad that we can't even survive in it, then he'll come back. Then he'll return. But right now, he's still calling people. He's calling them out of this world. And he wants repentance. He wants nations to repent. He wants individuals to repent. He wants heart, people with good hearts to come to him. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that therein shall be burned up. So there is coming a time of great judgment, great fire. Seeing then that all these things shall be uh, dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy um, conduct? And that conversation means conduct and godliness. What kind of person should we be? Uh, you know, we, we might have a whole life that we have to live. I, I remember when... Uh, Miriam and I were first married. We thought, oh boy, the time is coming. We're going to have to spend our marriage and, and raise our kids in Petra. <laughs> uh, 
don't know if you know what Petra is like, but I think it's kind of like a desert with caves. So, you know. <laughs> and here we are, 41 years later, and nine children, and, uh, and it didn't happen. Uh, we, if it had, we would have been ready. If it had, we would have been ready. What can we say about ourselves today, even though the time has gone on, and it's been a long time since then? Many, many have come and gone since Jesus walked this earth. Many people have come and gone. Many generations have risen up. Many, um, many nations have had glory and then, and then uh, gone by the wayside. Do we get to the point where we don't believe God? Or do we continue on with the work that he's provided for us to do? To understand his word? to have a deeper meaning in our life, to develop our own character and thoughts and, and get closer to God. Holy conversation and godliness is what he wants. Looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of, the, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, nevertheless we according to his promise, look for a new heaven. We look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. It's a lifetime process that we go through. It's a lifetime process. And we, and we, we start out on it and we say until, you know, just like marriage, until death do us part. Until death puts me in the grave, I'm going to keep this way of life. You say that to yourself when you come into this way. Until death puts me into the grave, I am keeping this way. I am keeping the Sabbath, the holy days. I'm keeping God's truth. I'm doing the best I can before my, my Creator. He says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in Him in peace. Verse 14, Without spot, blameless, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in his epistles, speaking in them in these things, to which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and un unstable twist, as they do also other scriptures, to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, seeing... You know these things before, uh, before, beware. Oh, I've read all this stuff here. Oh, that's a really interesting. And then he, he says, you know all these things. Beware. Uh-oh, I better stop and think what's going on. Beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. That four-letter word is like a stop sign. Lest, lest you be led away. Being led away with the errors of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. And Paul said, I, you know, I, I've run this race and I've made it to the end. 
He also said that if I turn around and go the other way, I will, you know, I'll fail. He was worried about that a little bit. He was determined to make it to the end. And the book, the second Peter, is, is, has a very wonderful thing. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. You know, brethren, sometimes a four-letter word like stop can make us stop and think. In the New Testament, this four-letter word, and I, don't, I didn't even look it up in the Old Testament. I just focused on the New Testament this time. This four-letter word can make us stop and think about our own salvation, about our hopes for the kingdom of God, about the steadfastness that we need until the end. We might have to live 50, 60 years keeping this way of life until God, you know, until our body wears out or he calls us or we have an accident or something. We keep this way of life and, until then. But remember, he is with us. He's taking care of us. He knows our frame and he knows that whenever we come into temptation and trials and tribulations, he's there. Like that thing with the sand, sometimes he has to carry us because we've had so many trials and tribulations. Brethren, that's the kingdom of God and looking forward to that and it coming to this earth and our Lord Jesus Christ being with us and we being with him.